One of my most favorite memories was a number of years ago when I was in Europe. Hands up here who misses international travel. <laughs> I sure do. But I remember this one time I was in Spain and I had been traveling with a friend for about a month. And one night she looked at me and she said, Beck, I love traveling with you and I love spending time with you, but I just haven't met anyone else. I literally haven't talked to anyone else in the last month. And so I was a little bit taken back and I thought, you know what, if she wants to meet people, well then I'll give her people. And so the next day we went sightseeing around San Sebastian and I made it my goal to personally meet at least one person at every site and invite them along to dinner that night. And so fast forward six hours of sightseeing and introducing myself to who knows how many people. We got back to the hotel and my friend said, well, what, you know, how many people are coming to dinner tonight? And I said, oh, maybe three or four, possibly five. And so we get down to the hotel lobby where I told everyone to meet us. And to my horror, there was about 30 people there. 30 to 35 people and not only that they could hardly speak any English and I freaked out for a little bit but we soon found a restaurant and this lovely restaurant seated all 30 of us and we ordered food and we ate together and we laughed together and we shared stories and to this day it's still one of my favorite memories. Why? because I was sitting at a table with people from all over the world, citizens of so many different countries. And together they brought their stories and their accent and their culture. I absolutely loved it. You see, every single one of us, whether you're in the auditorium today, joining us at City Hub or even online, every single one of us is a citizen of a country. We each hold a citizenship. But this morning, there is one particular citizenship I want us to focus on. And this citizenship is not of this world, it's of another. If you have your Bibles, why don't you come with me to Philippians chapter 3. This is a letter that Paul uh, wrote to the church of Philippi while he was in prison in Rome. And he had a very close connection with this church because he planted it himself alongside Timothy and Silas. And so he was writing this letter to the congregation to thank them for their generosity while he was in prison, but also to encourage them in their faith because that church was experiencing a high level of opposition and they were having false teachers come into the congregation and telling everyone how to live. And so Paul steps in and he writes this in verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they re are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly are awaiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. 
You know, something I believe that the Spirit of God is wanting to remind us of as we enter this time of prayer and fasting is that our citizenship is in heaven. First and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to heaven. We do not belong to this world. The moment you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we became, we were born again. We were a new creation. We have been born into the kingdom of God where His rule and reign is established over our lives. So we no longer belong to this world. Jesus says in John 17 that they are not of this world because I am not of this world. Even the apostle Peter refers to us in the Bible as aliens, temporary residents, foreigners of this world. You see, when you're a citizen of a country and you travel to another country, people can often tell that you're a foreigner, that you come from a far off place. If me, as an Australian citizen, if I was to go to Russia, I think everyone would be able to tell that I wasn't Russian. Maybe I would look a little bit Russian, I don't know, but they would be able to tell that I'm not from Russia because I don't speak the language, I don't have the same accent and I come from a completely different culture. Now in Paul's day, Philippi was surrounded by Roman culture. It was a Roman colony and therefore the citizens were expected to promote the practices and the culture of Rome. In fact, some of the Philippians prided themselves on this as they would dress like the Romans and they started to speak Latin and become like the Romans. And in light of this, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, your ultimate citizenship is not found in the Roman Empire. It's found in Jesus Christ. In other words, your citizenship is not found in this world. It is found in heaven. And I wonder today if the people in our world, in our workplaces, in our universities, in our families, our schools, I wonder if they can tell that we are citizens of heaven. I wonder if they can tell that we are foreigners, that we have a different accent, that we think differently to them, that we act differently to them, that we come from a completely different culture, a culture that is not of this world. You see, the problem with many of the church today is that we are blending into society. We're either adopting or we've never let go of the values of this world. We're acting like everybody else. We're talking like everybody else to the point where people can't even identify us as Christians. They can't tell the difference between a citizen of earth and a citizen of heaven. We are called to be a point of difference. And what I have discovered is the fundamental difference between someone that is a citizen of earth and someone that is a citizen of heaven is that the citizen of heaven is thinking about things above. They're thinking about things of heaven, whereas the citizen of earth is only thinking about the things of this world. You know, when I read this passage in Philippians, I couldn't help but notice that Paul sorry, was speaking about the church. He wasn't speaking about the unchurched. He was speaking about people in the church, that they are people that are not living for heaven. They're thinking about this life only. 
He's talking about people that are not living for God, that they don't want to know what His will is, that they don't want to seek His face. They don't want to fast and pray for more about uh, for more of Him. They're only thinking about themselves. They're thinking about their own personal needs and desires. You see, this world, our society is all about fulfilling our own desires. It's all about self. And to be honest, that comes quite naturally to us. Let me give you an example. If someone takes a photo of you and your friends or your family, and then that person shows you the photo, who's the first person that you look at? Yourself. And don't pretend you don't, because I do as well. But that's just a small example of the mentality that our society is cultivating. It's about self, living for ourselves, focusing on our social status, our job title, how much money we have in the bank, how many Instagram followers we have. Do we have the latest phone or the latest car or even the latest pram for some of the mums? This is how our society society thinks. But how many of us know that all of these things are just temporary? This is not what we live for. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that as Christians, we do not live for this world. We live for the next. We have heaven in mind. Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, that think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. But I wonder today, if we were honest with ourselves, how much do we think about the things of heaven? In fact, how much do we think about heaven in general? I think for many of us, heaven can be this separate place. We know it's somewhere that we're going to go when we pass away, but it's not really a reality in our everyday life. We read read the Bible and we read about gold streets and gemstones and cherubim and it becomes all a little bit abstract and so we put it in a I don't know box and we just carry on with our life, catching up with friends, paying bills, living our life. But for Paul, heaven was such a reality. In fact, in his writings, it was one of his major themes. And I believe the reason why heaven was so real to Paul was not just because of his circumstances. It wasn't just because he was suffering and thinking about an afterlife. I believe it was because he continually postured himself in a position of prayer. When we pray, it takes our mind off the things of this world and it places our mind on heaven. And over the next two weeks, we are going to be positioning ourselves in a posture of prayer. We're going to be coming before God and saying no to the flesh and saying no to the things of this world in order to seek God's face, in order to seek His will and to be able to set our mind on heaven. You see, it is so important that we set our mind on the things of heaven, that we set our mind on things above. Why? Because it gives us perspective. Perspective can be described as the ability to put things in their proper place. You see, before Paul was a Christian, his whole world was about his achievements. It was about his money, how much money he had, the status that he had in society and keeping up with religious appearance. But the moment he had an encounter with Jesus, the moment his eyes were open to the kingdom, 
It, he, he's sort of suddenly all of his achievements and his worldly success, they seemed so small and insignificant. He even writes this in verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I don't know about you, but it can be so easy to look at the things of this world, our career, our appearances, our wealth, our assets, even our relationship status and make them so much bigger and so much more important than what they truly are. Paul says it is because of what Christ has done. It is because of His death and resurrection. It is because of His great love that the things of this world aren't important anymore. They're not the be all and end all. What's important is that Jesus paid the price, that Jesus set us free, that He has forgiven us, that He has given us salvation, that He has accepted us. And in Ephesians 2.6, it says that we are now seated with Christ Christ in the heavenly realms. It doesn't say we're going to be. It says we are now elevated and seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Some translations say heavenly places. Just think about that for a moment. It means that when we have certain situations going on in this world and in our life, we're not just viewing them from an earthly perspective, but we have the ability to view our situations from heaven. You see, I'm not a scientist, but I know that the higher up you go, the smaller things become. And so whatever situation you are facing, whatever problem you've got going on in your life, whatever has happened this week or even in the last decade, the higher up you go, these issues and these problems can actually seem so much smaller in light of heaven. You know, I remember hearing Jen Johnson from Bethel Church describe a vision that she had a number of years ago. At the time, her and her husband were facing a horrible tragedy and this issue was just consuming all of her to the point where she had to just go into a room, she had to shut the door, get into the presence of God and she started praying. And as she started praying, God showed her this vision and in this vision, God took Jen all the way up to heaven and she saw herself going up all the way through the sky, through the galaxies, up and up and up until she was face to face with Jesus and he said Jen can you see the world down there and she said no and he said can you see your problem and she said no and then all of a sudden she was back in her room and she opened up her eyes and she went on to say that the problem her and her husband were facing didn't necessarily change overnight but her perspective did Suddenly it was all about what mattered eternally, that God was in control. You see, often it's not our problem that God is wanting to change, it is our perspective. Often it's not our problem that God is wanting to change, it is our perspective. 
When I was 21 years old, my dad passed away. And I remember so many people saying to me, oh, this is so tragic. You're an only child. Your dad's never coming back. This is just devastating. He's gone forever. And everything they were saying was just so disheartening and so hopeless to the point where I just had to withdraw. I had to get into my room and I had to pray. And I prayed and said, God, what is heaven's perspective on this situation. And even over the next two weeks, whatever you are going through, some of you need to actually get into your room or get into a place where you are asking God, what is heaven's perspective on this situation? And as I started to pray and I asked for heaven's perspective, all of these memories started to flash before my eyes, memories that I had with my dad, where we were praying together, where we were reading the Bible and discussing theology together, where we were, I was experiencing the Holy Spirit and then I would run into his room and tell him about my experiences. You see, when I finished that prayer, I walked away with heaven's perspective. It was not so much about what I had lost, it was about what I had gained through my dad. You see, through his passion for the word, I now love the Bible. Because of his faith, I am now a Christian. Because of his character, I now have a godly husband. Because of his heart for the lost, I now have a desire to see every single person in my world come to know the transformational love, power and grace of Jesus Christ. And one day I'm going to walk through heaven's gates and I'm going to see my father again. You see, I could have looked at my situation from an earthly perspective and been bound and confined by grief and loss and remained a victim for the rest of my life. But instead, I chose to take heaven's perspective. And yes, the pain didn't go away, but it launched me into all that God had for my life. Can I tell you today, whatever your situation is, God wants to launch you into all that he has for you. You see, someone once said that uh, um, your perspective can either be a prison or a passport. It can either confine you or it can either launch you. You see, however you look at yourself today, whatever has happened in your past, whatever you're intimidated by, whatever problem is in front of you, start praying. Start praying without ceasing, as Paul says. And I guarantee you that God will take you from your situation and he'll allow heaven to lift you up to the point where you are so high that you have true perspective and suddenly everything that is going on around you won't seem so big anymore as I said before in light of heaven. Would the band join me please? When our perspective changes, our life changes. When we take heaven into consideration, it changes the way we live. C.S. Lewis once said this, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought about the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. 
I believe this is why Paul was reminding the church that they were citizens of heaven. Because when your mind is set on eternity, when your mind is set on the things above, when your mind is set on another world, it will change the way you live your life in this world. You suddenly realize that all your material possessions, your job title, your money, the opinions and accolades of man, all of that is temporary. None of that is coming to heaven. It's temporary. Can I tell you the only two things that are going to last for eternity, the only two things that are coming to heaven are God and people. Nothing else, just God and people. I wonder if that's why Jesus said the two greatest commands I give you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. When you have this revelation, you start to live differently. Suddenly life isn't about our own agenda and what Jesus can do for us, but it's all about His agenda and what we can do for Him. You see, too often these days, the gospel has become all about our agenda. It's all about Jesus. What will you do for me? Jesus, what can you give for me? Because you died on the cross, would you bless me and bless me and bless me with all of these things? Whereas old school gospel says, Jesus, I give you my life. Because of what you did on the cross, I now lay my life down as a living sacrifice. It is all about you. It's not about my agenda. It is about your agenda. It's not about running around trying to squeeze God. God into our schedule. It is about placing Him as our priority and fasting and seeking His face so that we see His kingdom come and His will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. If you're in the auditorium, why don't you stand with me, please? Verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We eagerly await for the return of our savior. There's gonna come a day where every single one of us will be face to face with Jesus. And the Bible says we're going to have to give an account for how we lived our life on earth. Did we live our life as a citizen of this world, blending into society, acting like everyone else, talking like everyone else? We might've gone to church every Sunday, but our lives didn't really show it. People couldn't tell that we were a citizen of heaven because we were so fixated on our own agenda and the things of this world. Or did we live our life as a citizen of heaven where we stood out from society because we were carriers of the Spirit of God, because we were representing heaven and the way we lived our life wasn't like that of this world, but it was that of the kingdom. We stood on the Word of God. We made disciples. We moved in the supernatural. We stepped into freedom. We gave generously and we prayed and we fasted and we saw a 
move of God, not only in our own lives, but in this nation and the nations of the world. Our world doesn't need to hear about Christianity. They hear it enough. They need to see it. We can't just talk the talk anymore. We've got to walk the walk. It's not about saying we're Christians. It's about being Christians. It's not just about going to church. It's about being the church and revealing heaven everywhere we go. And so can I ask you again this morning, are you living as a citizen of heaven? And maybe today you're joining us and you might say that you're not a citizen of heaven. Maybe this is the first time that you're hearing about Jesus in this other world. Can I tell you the reality is that there is a life after this one, but Jesus went to a cross so he could secure that life for you. The Bible says that Jesus went to a cross and laid his life down for you. And if you were to believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. 